someone I go so far back with in porn, um, Carnegie Velvet. Welcome Woo! to the podcast. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for having me. I feel like you've always been such a mainstay of queer porn to me. Like before I even got into queer porn, I felt like you were making it with both Trouble Films and Crash Pad and just kind of how did you get into it? Because I feel like I've always known of queer porn with you around. I've never really, <laughs> I feel like watched or been involved in queer porn before you were here. So kind of like, where did you come into all of this? Because I obviously know we used to live in the same neighborhood with like nearly every porn performer in Oakland back True. probably like six years ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh, exactly. So how did you get there? Oof, um, well, that's so flattering that you think of me as a mainstay of queer porn I like for I sure that. I think you're definitely one of when you think of queer porn I think you're definitely one of the performers ah. that it's like oh yeah for sure ah. oh my you, God. <laughs> yeah you need to think that really <laughs> for sure I <laughs> well I mean I yeah yeah sure I I can think that good <laughs> I think like oh my god okay well I guess I'll I'll get into my shock later but um <laughs> <laughs> I feel comfortable saying that I am also the artist known formerly known as Lyric Seal mm -hmm. um so it's it's like I guess I I kind of think of Lyric Seal as a mainstay of queer porn but I do feel like there's been a okay adjustment it's taken a little while but people are catching on to <laughs> being Carnegie now and that, that feels good um how I got into queer porn literally was I was at a careers in sex panel um as a student like I was visiting Smith College I was oh that makes sense Yep, I went to Hampshire College and I went to a uh, event at Smith College one night. My um, best friend who I went to school with was really excited about this performer, Jizzly, and I um, had just gotten introduced to their work and did not know anything. Um, Mostly just because I didn't really know that queer porn existed. And for sure, whenever I tried to look at porn, like there was a lot of stuff that I that I liked, but there was also always this like feeling saturating it. Like I couldn't relate, but also mm -hmm. like I wanted to relate, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I, um, and I had already started doing sex work um around age 19 and so I was like 21 when I met Jazz and it was so you wait Where yeah did, you you met at a college event you met Jess I, there I did <laughs> that's how I got into porn too <laughs> I'm like wait we have the same origin story of like going to a college event and then just leaving there <laughs> Wow, that's so funny. I'm like, they're just going around recruiting, actually. I know. <laughs> wow. I kind of love it. It's like, yeah. 
hey college queer you want a cool career (laughs) it was like totally the same thing I was like camming at the time on my college campus like same thing like already doing sex work and then you see Jizz Lee Uh were they were they touring with their like 30 person orgy because that's what they showed when I saw them and I was like wow I need to start (laughs) doing porn (laughs) you know what I don't that's so funny I don't remember what (laughs) they showed I remember that like um that twin cest was a thing or oh just, yeah just immediately recently been a thing I'm like wow I feel like a, an ancient relic of of porn but yeah I- that's <laughs> so old school I like I I definitely knew of that site I was like this is so cool <laughs> yeah it was wow. um, a picture from it was my background on my computer for a while in college. It was like a picture of um, Jez and um, Sean, like like in the shower with like blood on their mouths or something. Like they had been beating each other up, but like in a sexy way. Yeah. Um, Wow. We yeah. have such relatable experience at the time. I'm like, oh yeah, I had like Stoy as my phone background at the time. Yes. Oh <laughs> it's like God. totally, wow. I feel like it was such a thing though, because there was so much like, you could be on a college campus and then get exposed to all this porn. And it's really weird thinking about it now. Yes. But that's how it was like, I don't know what year you were in college. I was in like 2012. Yeah, I I graduated in 2012, and mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I met, I met Jizz, like, my third year, maybe, something like that, so, yeah, like, 2000, 2010, 11 time. Are you sure. from the East Coast originally, or are you from the West Coast? I am from the East Coast. Oh, okay. I'm from New Jersey. Um, oh really? I I never knew that. I just assumed you were from somewhere on the West Coast. I don't know oh why. My, it's oh so weird. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think it's kind of like when you when you meet people in a certain place and they're so embedded as a part of your life. For like, sure. Tape, it just seems like they belong there. I definitely think I have a lot of West Coast qualities, but I also very much know that I am an East Coast person when it comes down to certain things. So, yep. New Jersey, only five. <laughs> but yeah, so the thing I do remember is that there were bubbles at this event. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember the porn, but I remember there being bubbles. Um, like people were blowing bubbles, and, <laughs> um, which is really funny to think about now in like the era of the the panda park, the pandemic, the pansia, the you know. Pandemic. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's really hard <laughs> to imagine it in the pandemic. People like blowing through things. Yeah. Shared space, like so many things <laughs> that we have done, like makeout parties. You know. Oh my god, there were so many sex parties and makeout parties, and they were so normal. And I was just like, <laughs> and it's like. Cool. I they're very. I love that they're normal. It's more like I don't feel like as a queer person, I have learned caution in in many ways about 
about spit, spit exchange, fluid exchange for sure. I'm like learned all about all of the safer sex practices, but, uh, but spit from our mouths, which carries viruses. It's so hard because that's such a pivotal part of my porn is like getting spit on or spit in my mouth. (laughs) It's like such a thing where like, (laughs) <laughs> it was our first scene back from lockdown and that happened in the first like three minutes of the scene and I just like it just like flashed through my eyes I'm like wow I've been quarantining for like 18 months before this <laughs> I know it's like t- get get back into it well but yeah we're okay right? yeah you I was fine <laughs> um Bit. it's not entirely off limits um anymore mm-hmm. but yeah so bubbles jizzly and I had been specifically doing a lot of like nude modeling I was using uh model mayhem okay oh yeah throwback yep model mayhem <laughs> And Craigslist and Backpage and all of the all of the cool places on like probably the very very last year that you could do anything with any of those. Um, but Model Mayhem is funny. I still have a Model Mayhem account. It's like mostly useless, but occasionally someone comes on and is like. I have a photo shoot. It is in this place and <laughs> it is going to be $3,000 a day. And I'm like, I know that this is not real. So yeah, not so much. <laughs> There's like a few like old adult industry things that I'm on that mm-hmm. are like that where I'll get like an occasional like crazy request where they'll be like $5,000, 15 person <laughs> gangbang. I'm like, you don't have this website. That's not a thing. <laughs> If it was, I would be very aware of it. Sometimes I feel like like scams are sometimes done by, I mean, I don't know, but I sometimes I feel like they're like boomer scams specifically mm-hmm. where I'm just like, you're trying to scam someone who doesn't know how to use the internet. But <laughs> yep. I grew up using the internet. And so <laughs> I can tell that you don't have that website. Like I can tell that your email is like, one two three four five jklol at gmail.com <laughs> i'm not confused yeah. um but oh my god yeah so i was modeling and i was really excited about the idea of porn i had gotten into um nofo when it was oh hell yes yes when it when it was nofo and like was really into um the trouble films aesthetic and for sure was feeling just excited about stuff going on in the bay in general and so i was like okay i'm already planning on being in the bay area the following summer because i had an internship with sins invalid so i was also getting involved with disability justice stuff mm. in the bay and so yeah the bay was just kind of like this magical land that was beckoning me for sure being like you can be in queer porn here and you can be a disability justice activist and you can be a dancer you can be all the things and there's like gay people everywhere yes. like there were so many queers at the time here Oh my God, I know. It was like a, 
yeah, I'm like, were you, was that the golden era? Did we, did we ha- experience the golden era of queer bay? I mean, I guess there have been many yeah. golden eras that then flop away. But... I think, yeah, I think the queer porn thing that happened here, I think it's really important to look at now. Because it was like really a full-blown scene that like people from all over the country were moving here for, which is really crazy to think about now. Yeah. And it was such a, I mean, it was honestly such a supportive community for me. Like I, like when I say, when I reflect on like who was my strongest community when I was living in Oakland, it's definitely other queer porn people. Yeah. Like sex workers of many stripes but like specifically people who perform on screen Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah and it and it I don't know I mean I knew I wanted to be in porn because I wanted to have a different way to look at my body Mm -hmm. because I have trauma (laughs) fyi Mm -hmm. um as a multiply marginalized uh person um Mm -hmm. and and you know just whatever i've experienced pain and i have been alienated and distanced from my body um throughout like a lot of my childhood and adolescence um and 20s um but i I was like, oh, maybe if I actually see myself having sex, that will be this really healing, validating thing because Mm -hmm. all these ideas that we have about ourselves, about what we look like during sex kind of just like go out the window. And I first shot with Crash Pad. And the nice thing about Crash Pad is that it's very not prescriptive. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a really nice... I just feel like Crash Pride is such a great like gateway porn to For act sure. in because they work really hard to make you feel comfortable. They have a very specific like setup. Like right now we're going to have a snack and then we're going <laughs> to we're gonna have some water and coffee and then we're gonna go in and we're gonna just have some nice sex and hear all these yeah. toys in case you want them. Don't worry, a bunch of people are surrounding the bed filming you, but it won't be a big deal. And so that was my uh, introduction in, I think 2012 is when I- Was that your first shoot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was my first shoot too, wow. <laughs> it really does sound like Jizz is going around the country being like, oh. I could find a queer porn performer. Oh, they're on Crash Pad the next year. <laughs> yes. Yes. Abs- absolutely. Well, like, <laughs> what, what happened was my friend, I was like sitting at the top of this like amphitheater at Smith, and my friend went and was like, I want you to meet Jizzly. And I was like, I don't know. Um, and because I felt shy. And then they were like, no, 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 like, you're a model, and I want you to talk to them about being a model and ways you can do that more. And so I said, okay, and they went and got them, which I am very proud of them for to this day, because they're not, like, a pushy, outgoing person necessarily in that Mm -hmm. way, but they are very assertive, and they are very sure when they know something is right. Um, So... (laughs) So it was, it was very, it felt very righteous. They like went and they got them and they brought them up and they're like, my friend would like to speak with you. And (laughs) so 
we talked and I told them what I'd been doing and I told them how much seeing queer porn meant to me and how different it felt and all these things. Um, and I said that I was already going to be in the Bay and they were like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like speed ahead your application then. I'm just gonna like put it in so that you, you shoot like whatever, we'll do it in two months. Um, and I was like, okay. And, and so then they just took me under their wing. Like they honestly became my like, you know, queer porn fairy god person and like made sure I ate and uh-huh. like introduced me to people and we had lots of adventures. We were like very close friends um, when I first got to the Bay. So that's so great to like yeah. find that when you move here. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I showed up early to the event that I met Jizz at and <laughs> I didn't go to, I didn't go to the college. I was just living on the campus <laughs> being a cam girl. So yes, lifestyle. That's yeah. <laughs> so then Jizz was like, oh, do you know where the bathroom is? So I tried to help them find it, but I we got lost. <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, I'm like, do clips on my own and all that stuff. And they basically were like, oh yeah, we'll just move your application up. Like same thing. What? I know, right? (laughs) I'm like, wow, I guess there really was a very way you get into queer porn, I guess. (laughs) It was a very specific system, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They say like mainstream porn companies recruit at like malls and stuff, but I guess this is what queer porn did at like colleges that totally makes sense it's like yeah yeah, it I mean I definitely feel like if queer porn were a city it would be like a gay college town of yeah so it would it would be western mass for sure (laughs) like without a doubt they're like the amount western massachusetts has come up on this podcast by other people is crazy (laughs) Like the amount, of, the <laughs> amount of porn that's made there is so crazy. Oh, do you live there now? I don't live there now, but I have, I have lived there. Um, that's where Hampshire was and that's where yeah. Smith was. And, um, well, I suppose they're still there, but I'm not, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, like. There was a lot of stuff going on in Western Mass and a lot being made by like college students and and whatever, but I definitely feel like I made a lot of really cool, weird experimental films and stuff and cool, weird dances and immersive performance art in Western Mass. So I feel like it's just so, so interesting how much stuff is made in Massachusetts in porn that you just never think about. Like you obviously think about like, LA and Vegas being porn hubs, but you never think about Massachusetts, but there's like, honestly, so much stuff that's made there. That's really cool. Like, are there specific companies that are based there? Yeah. Um, when Nika Noel was still doing stuff with Mile High, they were shooting all their stuff in Massachusetts, like on Cape Cod or on Martha's Vineyard and stuff. Wow. And then there's, um, Bella Vendetta's based in North Adams. Oh, okay. Over there. So they do stuff there and they do stuff around Springfield and yeah, there's quite a few porn performers who came out of, um, Western mass. 
actually someone who you performed with Susie Spindrift um also went yes. to Smith. Yes. Did you did you guys know each other back then or no we didn't we met in Seattle mm. um but I had yeah I had seen their performances and um and then we just started hanging out mostly going to karaoke and also having like long long like intellectual conversations into the night um <laughs> they're a little genius um I think that, I love like, them so much they're like they one just of the go to school in Europe now right like wait really uh-huh I had no idea yeah I think that they uh yeah because they left Seattle and I'm pretty sure that they're just like that their job is going to school in that way where you like get PhDs and you write about your PhDs and you you know like they love it they love that's that so stuff. cool <laughs> and they're like such an amazing performer it's just so wild to me when people are just like oh yeah I'm really good at this thing but you know I just want to like do academia for a while like it's <laughs> yeah. just so cool <laughs> I know I know that's the thing about art is that I have this real like streamlined understanding of like you know you watch the biopic about someone and it's always like once they got into their thing they never looked back and they just do it forever and that's why they're a legend and so I have always wondered if I like wasn't devoted enough right to any like discipline because I allow myself to like come out of it to explore other possibilities but I feel grateful for that way of being and I feel glad that I took the break from porn that I did because I needed to really examine why I was still doing it because yeah. I realized like do you I mean I totally random question do you oh, ever have ask away camming anxiety where you're like ugh, I just don't want to put my face on on anything um, right now I do <laughs> see I feel like I almost view it as I got really burnt out and camming at one point during all of um the whole pandemic mm -hmm. um I don't know if I have an anxiety about it I think I've been doing it for so long now it's just yeah. being in my room right and like if people give me money great um which is really hard <laughs> to rationalize because I have like a lot of um trauma around like there's a lot of homelessness in my family and stuff mm. so for me like even if I'm not in a survival mindset the idea of camming can put me in that sometimes because I'm like oh I know how much I'm getting paid for today you get what I'm saying I do so if you have like three four bad days that's when it would get really bad for me but I really yeah. just had to um the nerdy thing I've really gotten into during the pandemic is like listening to sports psychology podcasts because so much of it's so actable for being a porn performer. What? Because, yeah, cool. because yeah, because you have to deal with all this shit around you and all this talk about your career and you have and you're thinking about it all the time and you're like, am I doing the right thing? Should I made this decision? What if I'm not doing this project? And just like all this shit that if you can just get rid of that and just perform, you're going to be a better performer and be happier instead of like trying to fixate on what your quote unquote career is. And it honestly just took the pandemic to make me stop from doing everything I was doing 
and like traveling and working on the next project to like actually realize that shit, you know? Mm, yeah, I hear that. And I, I really relate to the, the sort of um, like scarcity panic also. Yeah. Um, and, and like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I have also internalized some shame because akin to your like horrible BBC uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I have also had not necessarily well I have had weird things with press but I've just had so many weird conversations with people that have like internalized really weird feelings about my body and about mm. being born and um particularly around this like I couldn't hack the dynamic of like people expecting that I feel a certain way about my body like a certain level of like confidence and like ease and whatever um because I perform in porn like apparently that is like logically connected like oh if you do this then you must not have any anxieties about yeah, your, for sure. uh, your body or sex and I'm like well that's definitely not how it works <laughs> but I guess that's maybe to say how good your performance is that you're getting so lost in your performance that's not coming across on camera you think uh, yeah yeah I mean I do see that I do see that and I like thank you um you're definitely you're, you're you're driving home in this in this interview. <laughs> um, lovely things about myself and my yeah, my- that's what this is for because I'm like <laughs> people don't talk of porn enough and like actually talk about this stuff, and I think it's just like all rooted in like especially like American like anti-sex work of all kinds and especially like getting to like do stuff in Europe like festivals and stuff like it's just taken more seriously there Mm. and I feel like we need to actually like talk about porn performers career in a more serious way because I feel like all these interviews that we get are so like even if it's for like a quote-unquote good website like something like Glamour Cosmopolitan they want like the surface level oh yeah I do porn and I'm fine and yeah yeah and like that's it see I'm not crazy like that's basically (laughs) it and like I appreciate getting those press things occasionally and being able to talk about my project for a line or two but it doesn't really take porn seriously you know no I know I know and it like it oh man it sometimes the way that I even promote porn doesn't feel like it takes it seriously but that's because I feel like there is this element of porn that's a little um like campy clowny Mm -hmm. like there is there is like this almost silly humorous aspect to porn in general because uh because bodies are goofy and because there's a certain kind of like I feel like accepted uh, sexy way to talk about porn Mm -hmm. as a performer and to talk about your body as a performer that are not necessarily ways that I always talk about my body or sex, but they are actually like, it is actually fun for me to talk Mm -hmm. about it in that way. So the 
serious fun, the combination. <laughs> I think it's like starting to come around in the industry as a whole. I feel like when we were both in Oakland doing queer porn, the idea that people would call it art would be like scoffed at by mainstream porn. They'd be like, you're making porn. Even if it's arty, it's not art. And now when you go to these award shows and see like them, these accepted speeches, everyone's talking about porn as art now. Uh, I think it's just really starting to come around that like, I think mainstream kind of scoffed at all that stuff before. But I think it's really starting to become like kind of a universal thing that we're making art instead of just it being porn. Right. Right. I know. Yeah. I, I feel that too. I feel that from the people who are already making or enjoying porn, Mm -hmm. I feel like I just took, oh my freaking God, I just took a (laughs) ADHD assessment last night and two of the questions were about porn. They were like, did you watch pornography as a child? And I was like, yeah and then it was like do you feel like this was problematic (laughs) or do you think you were just curious and I'm like all kids are curious and also kids getting exposed to sex too early is problematic like which one do you want me to choose yeah then there was another one that was like I don't know it was like assessing assessing porn or like unrealistic sex addiction or something it was just some and I I had this flashback to like this psychiatrist who primarily prescribed me antipsychotics because I described having like a queer family and that like my primary family unit was like queer community and he was like the lgbt community as it were uh they can be your your friends that you uh your pals you meet up at gay bars and pride festivals and things he really (laughs) had no idea and he was like but they can't be your family so it was like evidence that i was totally batshit that i felt like queer people were my family and I needed to be on antipsychotics. So I just- Was this in Jersey? Oh, no, it was in Massachusetts. Really? Yes. yes. That's so surprising. Yes, I was going to Hampshire College and he was like, I don't know. I mean, it's the difference sometimes between psychiatrists and psychologists. Like I feel like when psychiatrists don't do talk therapy and they just like- or like I'm just a pharmaceutical machine. I don't. I don't really know. I don't. Yeah, that's. But he seems too like, intense. But to me, I'm just like, like no. Yeah, I was like, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he was like the last Freud of of Western Mass. Um, <laughs> the last, the last bastion. But um, oh my God, what were we talking about a second ago? I mean, that's kind of the point of this podcast. Right? It's supposed to be about everything. <laughs> Ah, yeah um, oh, just the pathologizing of porn mm-hmm. is still such a thing right For and, sure. it, and it grosses me out because it just you don't always know what environment you're in when people are bringing up porn and there's often this like assumption that porn can be used uh as like a metaphor for just things being like terrible and graphic (laughs) but I also think it's the other way like anything positive is like oh it's food porn it's this kind of porn (laughs) 
like it's such a weird thing in our in I think particularly American culture because I feel like there's a better understanding of sexuality I think around the world than here yes I think that that is true in many places for sure like we can't have boobs on tv here but like we can have like so much violence and it's like fine it's just so yeah no we're like we like our sexuality subliminal and only on the terms of man's and we like a lot of guns (laughs) people better be dying there better be bullets (laughs) or i'm going home like that's uh (laughs) yeah it definitely it definitely is an american culture thing for sure i think that what's hard is that like while i think sexuality definitely has a little bit more like fluency in places like Germany and other parts of Western Europe there is Mm -hmm. also this like the other side is like less nuanced understanding of racism and racial you know so it's like I'm always I'm always being like oh yeah I'm gonna move to Berlin and then I'm like am I I yeah (laughs) It's like still 1997, all white people have dreadlocks. Like, <laughs> oh my God. So you were in my movie, Fucking Against Fascism. True. At the, at the Amsterdam mo- screening of that, someone had a Q&A question and it was a white Dutch girl with dreads. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> can you not? And it's like, we do these screening tours in Europe and there's like hella white people with dreads and it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just like, and there's like, oh, it's just different culturally here. I'm like, just in general, though, white people shouldn't have dreads. Most people don't know how white people get dreads. And it's literally just by not washing their hair. That's just it. Like, it's not a thing you can do and be like, oh, I'm doing it healthy or safe. There's no No. way you can actually do it. No, they're just nodding their hair or like literally back combing um, was a thing. Like, just like. Oof. Oh God. It gives, uh, it gives me like textural shivers. Um, bleh. but <laughs> I mean, gosh, yeah, they do say that it is culturally different, but that's like a part of the whole narrative that would have you believe that like exactly America invented slavery by itself and like none of Europe was involved. And it's like America was Europe at that time, basically. So. Yeah. All of Western Europe has blood on its hands like so heavily. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, you feel like it's different for you to wear dreads because you just don't know any black people I get it (laughs) I just like don't understand that I mean I guess it's living like if you have dreads in Oakland you're gonna get shit as a white person you're gonna not have them very fast (laughs) like it's just yeah I don't I don't know I can't stand that stuff um I used to always have a joke with my roommate when I would go um off to Europe to screening tours we would guess how many white people dreads would show up it was always like I'm always like it's gonna be over five (laughs) yeah gosh I mean maybe we should just like have a um like a fake recruitment program where we just get white people from with dreads from Europe and just like be like we would love if you would just visit 
just visit Oakland and then yeah, just drop them in Oakland and be like get their dreads cut off, and that'll be great. It'll be great. We'll be doing the world a favor. That's the one thing I loved about Oakland so much is if you were doing something fucked up, someone's gonna let you know. And then you're not going to do that anymore. I just love the directness of Oakland because it was like anything. Like there was like a Proud Boys meet up there. There were three of them. They got jumped by like 50 people. Yes. It's just like, you can't do that in Oakland. You can't fuck around with people and be like, oh, it's going to be fine. It's just like, I really miss that about living in Oakland. I live in SF now, so it's a very different vibe. What's the vibe in SF these days? Empty as hell. Oh. Um, most, I think it was like 40% of the city moved. What? Yeah. Um, it was the largest mass exodus of any city at any like point <laughs> since World War II. Oh, I was going to say since like Detroit or whatever. Like, oh, well, yeah. The white flight out of <laughs> Detroit. Um, yeah. Fuck. Wow. I did not know that oh my yeah God. so like where'd they yeah. go um back to like ohio where a lot of people moved to austin a lot of people moved to vegas um yeah it's just super empty now which is really weird like my neighborhood's basically brand new and i would say it's probably like 30 to 40 percent full what neighborhood are you in i i can't say that on the podcast yeah I'm like I can't go that far in but yeah yeah I live in a fairly new neighborhood here and it's like totally empty and it's the weirdest thing because it's like these brand new apartments totally like mostly open and you know it's still so inaccessible to so many of like people who are homeless here it's just such a awful wealth disparity here yeah gross it is here too um in Seattle um yeah, I, it, ooh, capitalism <laughs> is so gross because it's, it's like we terrible. have all these empty fucking houses and of course we couldn't put anyone who needs them in them. We couldn't possibly. <laughs> yeah, like having family who've been homeless like over the course of my life, it's yeah. made me realize like all this shit's just built on top of people suffering and just like, it's just so fucked up that like there's empty apartments to keep the housing market alive when people are like literally dying on the fucking streets. Yeah. It just, I just feel like with whole, like whole political discourse right now, particularly during the pandemic, I feel like it's just so returning back to normal. It's just like, I feel Ooh. like that stuff has to be addressed so fucking hard right now. I know this isn't very porn related, but it is it is is. yeah it's just such fucking bullshit like I don't know I'm very jaded by this whole system because neither party has really any interest to change that there's gonna be people homeless on the street for Mm -hmm. the housing market to exist and it's just I think such bullshit yeah I mean you know I think any any like I guess high up governmental candidate who doesn't believe in capitalism is not really able to at this moment get as far as they want to go in the actual system to dismantle it but that's the only thing that would uh make me feel excited about an elected official really other than like local politics stuff because they're 
plenty of radical people locally here, but yeah, you ha- don't you guys have a socialist mayor, right? <laughs> oh well, no, we don't. Unfortunately, oh. um, we we I'm like actually I'm like do uh, uh, well. We've had a lot of close calls. We've had like mm. Nikita Oliver was gonna be. Um, well, I mean, I was really certain that they were gonna be mayor, um, and then they didn't get it. Um, oh, that's what it was. And then there's also been. Um, we also have a representative um, in Capitol Capitol Hill neighborhood. Um, Kashama Sawant, who is a, I don't know if she identifies as a socialist or a communist, but I know that she is anti-capitalist and has been really outspokenly supportive of like workers' rights and people of color and queer people, trans people, poor people. She's dope. Um, but she also has been like repeatedly targeted by like right-wing oh, people to be like, you're not allowed to be a representative anymore because you let people into um she like let people into the the building like some building that was important like it sounds so freaking ignorant (laughs) but you know it was during um black summer and it was during Mm -hmm. like the occupation of um the park and yeah a lot of people were they like created a free an autonomous zone it was really Mm -hmm. cool it was really really cool yeah i don't understand the outrage that people have they're like they took over five blocks of seattle it's like okay so (laughs) i don't like get the outrage over that i guess i'm just like meh all right cool (laughs) i think like the outrage can only come if this hasn't been like your dream since you were an insurrecto teenager (laughs) so many people were like wow the revolution is really happening and then it got taken apart but i mean they don't call them temporary for nothing it was a temporary autonomous zone yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like really um went down a whole like spanish um, revolutionary history and just like realizing like the whole Bakunin thing and like what was happening in Barcelona during that where like people's went to work and they're like uh yeah we're control the company we work here now we're in the middle of a civil war we're just gonna run the city like this that just like happened is the coolest thing to me that it's just like I I'm so jaded by being like oh well this governmental change is gonna happen I think it's just going to be directly people being like, okay, we're just not going to let homelessness be a thing anymore. We're just going to decide to feed everyone. Like that's the shit that I feel like I'm hopeful about because I feel like generally most people agree on these things. It's just, there's like so many structures trying to keep it from happening. Right. Well, that's the thing is, is that like ultimately no political orientation is real in the sense that capitalism is just the like uh true north that yeah. some people orient around and so it's like it doesn't really matter what you say you care about if your bottom line is that the show must go on yep which is exactly what's happening with the end the supposed end of the pandemic is that 
yeah, it is like show must go on. Weren't we all so sad about having to only be virtual for that time? Aren't we sad that people died? Oh, well, we're going to keep going and we're just going to have all of the same structures that make it difficult for people to access resources. Um, but this will... Um, I think you cut out for a second. I did. Okay. Okay, you're yeah. back. Yeah, your your cute little face was frozen for me. Oh, <laughs> hmm. hopefully it stays. Yeah. Um, yeah, neither of these political parties actually want to upset the system. Yeah, because they, yeah. they are the system. And I mean, I guess that if if I were to if I were to tie this back around to porn, because I that's one of my talents is connecting things to one another. Um, mm-hmm. Is is I think like it feels very important to me that porn be it like porn performers and people involved in the porn industry be in solidarity with sex workers at any for sure level and style right Mm -hmm. and so it's like the point where my feelings about having a career will always end is is at the point when I can like dream that none of us will have to be like working for food (laughs) for sure like yeah I think particularly important like you see so much of both people who are like making a good living and are like quote unquote famous but then you see like so many of your peers who are struggling so much and just it's such a hard thing to kind of see because you're it's this like weird dichotomy because so much of your life looks glamorous from the outside but you know you have co-workers who are struggling with homelessness you have people not being able to pay their bills like there's a lot of real issues in sex work as a whole that I think you kind of deal with as a sex worker as you're going through your career Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it's like, even just the fact that like, some forms of sex work are more criminalized than others. Mm-hmm. Some are literally more illegal than others, you know, um, just all of the like, regulation of it really works to kind of like impose different class systems within sex work. Um and like that's gross and yeah the mm-hmm. like the the glamour that is kind of similar though to what i was saying about like the feeling of like people being like oh you're fine you're good cuz mm-hmm. you look good you know where it's like oh i have to like i have to get all of my shit together and post this like beautiful photo but like that's not going to actually like capture the fact that I'm like worried about rent this month or that I am like you know having having hard heart feels about like someone that I'm sexy with or like you know just different things Mm -hmm. that are not translatable in the same way um and yeah also just like how much effort it actually does take to like create a product and then like 
all of the energy that goes into that. And then the amount of time that you're actually shooting porn is like the smallest. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like the hard things about porn aren't actually on set. And I feel like that's the thing that most people don't realize. Yeah. (laughs) Like, because they think, oh, the hard thing about porn is performing. You know, that has to be such a hard grueling process. And I feel like usually it's not that the case. It's all the other stuff that comes with porn that's so hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I feel blessed that this is my experience because I know this isn't all porn performers experience Mm -hmm. of having like a safe experience on set. But I would definitely say that like porn is what helped me feel safe about sex because I was doing it in this really structured environment because there were breaks. There was like ways to talk practically about sexual acts as opposed to like talking in weird like awkward we're having sex for the first time <laughs> language you know just yeah being like concretely what acts do you want to do great I'm gonna do that to you now okay <laughs> like I need some lube I need these things you know whatever and then afterwards you're just like sweaty and spent in a good way which is also how I feel about like dancing and acting like all performing media yeah. require me to use my whole body you know it's definitely a full performance like I think just like the physical demands and I think mentally as well like you would need to be able to feel comfortable in a space that it's kind of weird to be around that many people naked like when you take <laughs> it out of the whole context you're like I'm one of two people naked in a room of like 10 people right now <laughs> and I and I have to perform on cue and just like have it work you know like it's really crazy when you step back your first few shoots I feel like it feels so intimidating and stuff then after a while it's just like oh yeah I just I know how to do this yeah my first shoot I was like I don't think I actually looked beet red because I am a brown person and I can only get so red, but my cheeks were like on fire. (laughs) Just so like, whoo, like I just, I was, oh man, I was really like nervous and excited and just like really didn't know how I was going to get through without like passing out from a combo of like nervousness and excitement. But I just stayed hydrated and I it's a big had, one. I had a lovely time. Um Who it was did you all, shoot with? I shot with Jaybird. Oh, oh my god, they're so great. I've totally forgot about them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't I don't think they perform anymore, do they? No, they were gonna be my scene partner, but then they quit porn like the month before for Crash oh. Pad <laughs> at one point. <laughs> yeah again all these like early queer porn references that I totally forget like I know yeah well it was like like, the twin cess thing yeah right right (laughs) just like this blossoming of queer porn and felt like everyone was gonna be a porn performer at for a moment it was just yeah between like 20 2012 and 2016 I was like Woo! We're all poor now. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, everyone I know is like getting kind of famous now. <laughs> it was it was a weird thing, like just going back home. I'm originally from Michigan and like people would be like, oh, you know this person? I'm like, yeah, they literally live right across the street from me. <laughs> <laughs> so 
I have one more question for you. Thank you so much, first off, for like taking all this time. And I'm just so glad that we got to chat about all this like old school queer porn stuff. I've talked to a few other people who were in it before us. Like I talked to Susie Q and Courtney about it. So I got like a little bit of the earlier stuff, but so much of like, because I moved in 2013, you moved in 2012, right? Yeah. So I feel like we definitely have that same like experience from like, the scene was so established when we both moved here, but then it like became so big, I feel like. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. I have loved talking to you about this and I, it's so funny, like we have gone way back, but I feel like we have not necessarily like shared our thoughts about things at length with each other. So this is yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what I like about the show because I'm like, we've been on multiple porn sets together. I've been to your house a few times, but like, you know, we, oh, we, sh- we shared like a $90 Uber ride from SF back to Oakland once. Yes. I remember that. It was oh after, yeah, God. it was after Limpress, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that yes. was Tony such and I show. almost died at that show. We were like almost trampled by the oh crowd. Oh my god. We were definitely in the very, very front because that's my vibe. And I'm yeah. like, I'm tough. I can do it. I love moshing. Um, yeah. Like, don't worry about the fact that I'm using a wheelchair. It doesn't make me fragile. I'm gonna beat you up. But yeah, that's that's always the vibe I got off of you. Like oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, a hundred percent. Where I'm uh, like, I'm like you're <laughs> tough as hell. <laughs> I am tough as hell. Yeah. Um, punk points all the way. But then I just remember this moment when beer got poured on my head and it Oh was, no. It was almost like a domino effect from there. It was like there was beer and then all of a sudden 70 people were falling on me and it was just like, you know, the push of the crowd, man. Yeah. Like, we were fine. Therefore, I don't like internalize it as a super dangerous experience. But then now we are in 2022 and like people die at concerts you know yeah definitely I'm like wow okay we got out with our lives we we did that that venue was so hot too it was like 110 degrees in there it was like so hot it was just like a cement box it was just like (laughs) yeah and like during like every time I drive by that area I'm like I think it's a grocery store like every single time (laughs) so Oh, my question for you. Yes, this yes, is the yes. only clickbaity kind of question I ask. If, <laughs> if you could magically change one thing in porn, that tomorrow morning is totally different. What would it be? Oh, man. Wow. I would um, take away the idea that like certain kinds of bodies are fetishes. For sure that's that's what it's like whatever (laughs) we should all engage with fetishes as much as we want but like how many of us who are trans or black or fat or Mm -hmm. any or all of the above yeah and like well I guess I have to market and capitalize on this like thing that I don't think of as a prime sexual feature of myself but someone else does and that someone else is a white man with more yeah. money than me so that is what I would instantly instantly change is just like this feeling that creeps in about my body whenever I engage with porn outside of the 
queer porn realm because it's not like I care about the dichotomy between queer porn and mainstream porn at all. Mostly the thing that's kept me out of mainstream porn has been uh, specific kinds of bodily beauty standards, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm beautiful. <laughs> For sure. I mean, you're a super successful queer porn performer. I think that's more than enough. Like, I don't know. I feel... I don't know. Mainstream so weird because even if you are the right body type and you fit into all their things, I feel like the way they just recycle performers, mm-hmm. like you have a year or two, maybe mm-hmm. like, I feel like with queer porn and now like my answer for this is always like, I just want sites like Minivids to advance like five years in the next year where these studios just have less power like that's the thing that makes me feel like this industry is going into a better place because even if you look at like these mainstream directors now most of them are either former performers are working with performers in the way of oh what do you want to do how do you want to make this film yeah it feels like it's changed a lot since like we both got into this industry where I feel like before it was so much that they like almost wanted us to fill slots and say, oh, yeah. no, we know how to make you successful. You have to do this for this amount of time. You have to do this for this amount of time, you know? Right. Yes, a lot more a lot more prescriptive. You're giving me a lot of hope, and I feel very... Oh, excited. that's what I'm here for. Yes. Oh, did you hear about what happened at AVN this last year? Um, I have heard about several things. The most recent thing I heard about is how Ron Jeremy is going to separate all of his trials into different trials and whatever. Oh. <laughs> wow i didn't know about that i am um, old old porn performers who suck so i have um i i ran into ron jeremy at my first avn i was at a diner and he walked in and it was only like four people and i looked up and we made eye contact and i started laughing in his face <laughs> <laughs> i was just like seeing him like in real life i'm just like that's hilarious i feel I feel way less bad about it now, <laughs> but I looked at him and started laughing, and we were only like maybe th- like five feet away. <laughs> um, so, oh, what happened at AVN two weeks ago is um, uh, they are doing a new thing called Grand Reel now, where it's essentially like film of the year. I think they've only been doing it for maybe three years, something mm. like that. So a trans film one for the first time ever. And there's basically no backlash that I've seen anywhere. So I think that's fucking crazy because trans women doing anything anywhere else is viewed as like, oh my God, they're taking over. That this can happen in porn and not have it be this huge, like cataclysmic thing. I think just gives me so much hope. That is beautiful. That is awesome. Oof. I get AVN emails, uh, but I often just read the subject line <laughs> <laughs> because I have, yeah. I have attention span issues and I'm like, oh, I'm going to click on that. And then I open it and then I keep it open as a tab for a while. And then eventually I'm like, I have too many tabs open. I'm just going to close them. So thank you for giving yeah. me important AVN news because of course I love it. What was This the- is what I'm here for. <laughs> what was the name of the film? Um... I am Casey, I believe. I think it's about a trans, like from a trans woman's perspective of her transition and then 
um, she like got to cast the people who played her before and stuff. I haven't seen it. Honestly, that's not really what I'm looking for in my porn, but I can also appreciate that. That's a really like important, cool thing, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. So, but I also feel like AVN awards are so, there's so many nominate like there's so much of it. It's kind of like the Olympics where I feel like it's very easy to miss a lot of things in it and a lot of the storylines that actually right. happened. So right. I can't blame you at all for that. There's so much. There is. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I <laughs> streamline the information for me. Like, yeah. Like, you just want like, <laughs> yeah, like a 30, 30 second rundown of what you should know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please, maybe that's another project of yours. Yeah, maybe that's the next project. AVN, your AVN recap. <laughs> <laughs> so um, where can people find you on all the apps? Oh, yes. Um, so I am Carnegie Velvet. And on Twitter, it's Carnegie V XXX. Or I also have just Carnegie Velvet, but I don't use that Twitter as much. I mostly use the explicit one. Um, and my Instagram is also at Carnegie Velvet. And I have a website, CarnegieVelvet.com. And yeah, I'm like, are those all of the things? I think, I think that's, things. yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on Carnegie. It was so great to chat with you. And I hope we're in the same city sometime soon after the whole pandemic is over or less intense, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I would be very happy to get to hang and chat in the near future. For sure. Well, bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you so much.